This is Greg Clarkson. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the New Man Now podcast. We're going to go ahead and join a series already in progress on aspects of the Spirit-led life. Let's get right into the Word. When we think about really the process of living a Christian life, you know, so much of our aspects, you know, from a Christian perspective is life in, a, in, in really two separate dimensions. You know, one plane is the physical and soulish realm of everyday life. I'm talking about things like your job, your recreational life, the eating, you know, that so much of us put a lot of emphasis on, including myself. You know, those aspects of what takes place in this dimension. But then the other plane is the spiritual. In other words, the things that we do in terms of, of our activities at church, our, our devotion, our personal time with God, you know, in developing ourselves in a relationship with God. You know, the groups we might be a part of, our life groups or focus groups, word studies, whatever it is that you might be a part of that you consider to be a, a part or aspect of your spiritual life. But what we need to do in this concept of discovering who we are as spirits first and live and learning to live from that and develop our, con, our uh, spiritual lives is that we got to recondition our perspective to see that these things are really parts of a whole instead of separate entities. And you know, one of the things that I might bring forth here is just talking about the presence of the Lord. You know, there's such a a misconception when it comes to how we view the presence of the Lord. I think a lot of us, including myself, have, have, we're going through this awareness of God's reality. There's absolutely no doubt. We wouldn't be praying, we wouldn't be applying ourselves to the work, to his precepts in the word and so forth if we didn't believe it. And like the word says, we're of men most miserable if this isn't real. But the reality is, is as we think about who God is and where he exists, where do most of us relate to God? Do we relate to him outside of our temple, in other words, outside of our body, our mind, our heart? In other words, are we looking up to the sky? Are we holding our hands, you know, uh, out outward as we praise and worship the Lord, thinking, oh God, and looking up to the heavens and thinking, God, you're, you're so great, and you're looking and viewing God as an entity, his presence outside of you. And I have to tell you, folks, that Although there's there's an element of truth in that, because it's really it's really another dimension. It's just a misunderstanding of what it is, and it's the dimension of the spirit versus the physical dimension, the three dimensional physical realm. But what what I'm trying to say is is that we look at God as being outside of us. In other words, we think He is like light years away in another galaxy or something. When the reality is this, the kingdom of God is within us. Jesus even said that. The kingdom of God is within you. I have to tell you that God is no farther than your heart. Or else the word of God is a lie. The the word says that whenever we accept the Lord and we become born again, it says that that he comes into us. His presence comes into us and dwells within us. The word says that we are born of one spirit into one body. Literally, we become knit as one fabric with Jesus, praise God. 
It also talks about how our spirits literally become the temples of the living God. Paul said, don't you know that you are God's sanctuary? In other words, you are a dwelling place of his presence. Well, it's not your physical body that is the dwelling place of his presence because because he doesn't live in a physical body. He lives in and moves through and speaks by and manifests himself in the context of the spiritual dimension because that's where God is and that's where he's at. So when our spirits become born again and recreated in his image, literally, we then become a piece of God's existence. We literally become a piece, if you will, of God. I mean, we become one with him. We're made one. We are knit together with him. And the Holy Spirit then indwells our spirits. And then our spirits indwell our bodies as a tent. Okay, our bodies are literally a tent of our spirit. So yes, our bodies carry like the ark, the presence of the living God inside of us, but that presence abides in our spirit. So what we need to do is we need to have our perspective changed here. We need to have a perspective of God in us, God with us, the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit living in me, not somewhere light years away from us in a distal galaxy or in some dimension that we have to look outward from our perspective of living. We need to look inward if you want to be more correct about this and know that God is within us. Hallelujah. We are now the living arcs of the covenant, if you will. The Ark of the Covenant just being really a type and a shadow of who we are right now as a born-again believer, as one who has been recreated in the image of Christ and has now been endued with his power and his very presence, just like the Ark was, and we are living Arks walking in this earth. We are living Arks, praise God, carrying the presence of the living God inside of us. So that's a misconception that we're, we're thinking about the presence of the living God somewhere outside of us. The reality is God is at all time present with you. If you're a born again uh, child of God, wherever you go, there he is. He is inside of you. And uh, so the presence of God is not something that we are trying to conjure, if you will, from outside of ourselves to manifest before us. What we're trying to do, really, if you want to get more correct or accurate in this concept, is you're, what you're doing is, is you're trying to, to uh, uh, submit and subjugate your natural reasonings and understanding and, and your uptake, if you will, and that of your five senses unto the spirit realm and allow that the spirit realm and the realities there to overtake, if you will, or to manifest in a, in a tangible way, to manifest in a way that that becomes the stronger essence of your experience. That would be the presence of God, a more correct or accurate a depiction, if you will. That presence is always there. 
God doesn't leave or forsake us. His presence is forever there. So we don't have to be crying out, oh God, that your presence would increase, that it would manifest. We do need God's presence to manifest. That's what we need. But that presence is not something that's outside of all of us. That presence is inside of us. Praise God. Man, this is a whole nother sermon and I don't want to get off on on that right now. But I just want you to know that that's been a misconception We need to live our life from the whole man perspective. So if we talk about life by the Spirit, there are some things that it is, and there's a lot of things that it's not. And so I think it's good to just look at it this way because we can learn a lot of times by what it's not, sometimes even more clearly than by iterating what it is. A lot of people might look at their living a Spirit-led life and living from this Spirit if they... Only have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's all that matters. I get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and now I'm living a Spirit-led life. Well, I'm here to tell you that just because you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment with power of the Holy Spirit, the inner, the energizing work of the gospel truth inside of you, that gives you the power to become a witness, that gives you the power to do what God has called you to do, to step the steps He's ordered for you, to literally manifest all the truths and the the facts that are written in your book in heaven, just because you have received that power inside of you doesn't necessarily mean you live by it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're not possessed by something that just works you like a marionette puppet. That's not the way it works. Although sometimes I think some of us would wish it would work that way because it'd be a lot easier if, if God just pulled your strings and, and made your arm move where it needed to move, and your legs move, and your mind think, and all that kind of stuff. But that, if God wanted that, he would have created a bunch of robots. You know, he would have created a bunch of, of, of beings that were pre-programmed with that potential. But instead, he created us as living beings with our own will to actively choose for a relationship with him. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a relationship with someone that is robotic, in their relationship to me. That I don't, that doesn't matter what I do, but they're just always right there and they're just fawning after me and they just want to be with me and all this kind of stuff. I want them to be there because they like, they truly like me and want to be with me. Well, God, I'm creating the image of God, so of course he thinks the same thing, praise God. So what else is it not? I'll tell you what else it's not. Just because you're used by the Holy Spirit, just because you have found a particular anointing in a gift and or giftings in your life that have been endowed, have that you have that have been endowed by your creator and you've developed those and you work well with those things that does not mean that you are living a spirit filled life or a spirit led life that doesn't mean that you have literally uh you know come to a place that you are really trained into who you are as a spirit man or woman of god just because you've learned and have gained a skill or, or an ability to, to uh, manifest those gifts does not mean that you're necessarily living a life by the Spirit. You know, Romans eleven twenty nine says, For the God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. That means that they're without, another translation says they're without repentance. That means that God does not endow us with certain gifts, with certain callings, with certain anointings, and every single one of us have them. And you need to endeavor, if you don't know what they are, to discover what those are. Get with people that you trust 
get in the word of God, listen to the counsel of the spirit and allow that discovery to take place in your life and then develop yourself along those lines. Just because you are endowed with those things and you learn to operate in them doesn't mean that you're necessarily have discovered and you're living the spirit-filled life or the spirit-led life. Because those are endowments that God has given you and he doesn't take them back. You might wax and wane in terms of your of the application of those things in your life, but they are not going to be retracted by God from your life. That's what that scripture is talking about, that they are uh, irrevocable. His gifts and call are irrevocable They're, or without repentance. I'll tell you another thing that the spirit-filled life is not. The spirit-filled life or the spirit-led life, I should say, not spirit-filled life, but the spirit-led life. Being led and living your life from who you are as spirit first. It's to be continuous. It's not episodic. This shouldn't be something that's experiential one time a week when we go to church. Or two times a week if we happen to go to church on Sunday and then maybe on Wednesday night. Or three times a week if we happen to go to church on Sunday and maybe on Wednesday night. And then we have a Bible study or a prayer group that we go to. No, I have to tell you that this spirit life is life just like your life from a natural perspective. It occurs in your waking, in your working, in your recreation, in your sleeping, in your eating. I'm telling you who you are as spirit is there just as much as who you are as a flesh man or woman of God, just as much as who you are as a soul man or woman of God. So you have to become aware and create and cultivate an awareness of who you are as a spirit. It's not episodic. It's 24-7. It's to be continuous, even while you're sleeping. It's a journey. It's not a destination. And if you get back to the word from the Greek that's translated spirit, which is pneuma, the namesake of this ministry, if you will, you can see that that word pneuma, as we've talked about, can be translated breath. And if you think about breathing, I feel like the Holy Spirit gave this to me one time, and it it just really manifested a lot of understanding for me, brought a lot of revelation to me in terms of the spirit filled life or the spirit led life from a perspective of spirit it's really no different than it is from a perspective of the physical life in these three dimensions you have to have breath in order to sustain life and so too the spirit your spirit man really breathes if you will it you know in order to live that breath that forceful breath that respirative you know cleansing type breath pneuma that breathing in the natural, when we see that process continue, you don't even think about it. It's something that is a uh, autonomic co- uh, process. It's something that continues without your ha- uh, having to think about breathing. Although sometimes it's good to take a purposed breath, slow inhalation, slow exhalation, and uh, do a little bit of uh, focus to relieve anxiety. And they've proven that medically. Well, I have to tell you that from the spiritual perspective, deep cleansing breaths, there is a continuity of life in the spirit that also comprises breathing, if you will. I'm talking about pneuma life, the respiration of the spirit. Life by the spirit is really respiration. Your spiritual breath taking in the very life of God, expelling the wastes of the flesh, of the soul, the things that are not of God, that are not meant to uh, comprise your life and dictate to you the, the limitations that it operates under. 
So a spiritual breathing, if you will, and I just have to ask, I mean, no one goes about in the physical dimension in your life day to day on short breaths. You don't take a deep breath and then just take off on a two or three minute sprint. You would never be able to sustain that activity. You would have to breathe again and again and again. And the more and more you tax your body, the more and more the respirative process is made a demand upon for you to take more and deeper breaths and more frequent breaths. And I have to tell you, from a spiritual perspective, we can learn a lot of things here because living life by the Spirit should be and really is the same as the need for the breath in the flesh. There's also a need for the breath in the Spirit. In other words, your new man, your pneuma man, also breathes. I believe life of the Spirit is like respiration. You shouldn't have to think about it, but yet it's a continual process. It's not episodic. It's a continual process. You breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe in, you breathe out. And those deeper breaths, those frequent breaths are required in order for you to sustain greater and greater activity. And I have to say, you know, from a spiritual perspective, I can just learn a lot from this to understand that the Spirit-filled life is really a continual state of being filled with the Spirit, capital S, the pneuma uh, of God, His breath, that same concept that really spun our existence into motion after He called us first and created us first by faith a Spirit being and then breathe that breath. I feel like that there is a great illustration there, a prophetic symbolism of what God did for man. He created us spirit first, then he energized or filled our temple, our flesh and blood vessel. He filled it with that spirit. And whenever the spirit inhabited the body, the body came alive. The word says that the body without the spirit is dead. You take the spirit out, the body's dead. We talked about that. And I I want to say that that same concept from an image of the God breathing into us should really carry forth into us understanding the spirit-filled or spirit-led life. We continue with the breath of God, the breath, if you will, of his life in our spirits and through our spirits, filling our being, recreated in his image, the respirative process of God. That's life by the Spirit or living by the Spirit. It's a continual process, a continual occurrence. You know, like breathing, it has to continue and should continue without thought. And I like what the Apostle Paul brings out by inspiration of the Holy Spirit over in Ephesians 5.18 that I think gives a, a nod to this. Listen to what he says. It says, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And if you look at the original language from which the word filled is translated, it's really a continuous action verb. It's not a one-time occurrence historical precedent. It's something that continues, 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 continues. It says, be filled by the Spirit. In other words, be being filled is a more correct translation, at least in the English or rendering in the English from that original Uh, language that means filled. It's a continuous action verb. So in other words, you don't ever stop being filled with the Spirit. Well, just like breathing, I see that in terms of breathing. You never stop being filled with air. If you do, you're dead. 
I mean, from a physical perspective, I have to tell you that I see what Paul's talking about there, be being filled in the original language translated just filled in our language, be filled with the Spirit. That is just like breathing. You're continuing to be filled by the Holy Spirit, just like a breath. You take a breath, you let out a breath. You take a breath, you let out the breath. I see that same thing here. I see that same imagery being brought forth in uh, in this concept. So let's move on then. Listen to what Romans 8, 5 through 6 says. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So we can see just from this scripture alone that literally what's being set forth, there is so much here, folks, and I have to not get off on a tangent. Because this is something that I do want to spend some time doing, and that's talking about the two different kinds of knowledge. And uh, there was a book actually put out by E.W. Kenyon that uh, was a foundational text that was, uh, that's been used uh, in Bible schools and so forth uh, back in the day. I think it was written back in the 40s, 50s. Uh, a, a man who was very inspired by the Spirit of God as a teacher of the Word of God talked about the two different kinds of knowledge. And I have to tell you, Romans... Uh, Chapter 8 is just laced with good foundation in terms of understanding or bringing forth a potential to understand this basic dichotomy, the spirit and the, na- and the natural man. The spirit man and the natural man. And you can include the mind, will, and emotions up in the national, and the mind, will, and emotions actually will go with one or the other. And that's what you have to do is you have to literally train or renew your mind unto your spirit and subject your mind unto the spirit. And it becomes renewed, made in the image of, if you will, or renewed or saved. Even you can go into later scriptures and find out in one of the epistles that talks about the saving of your soul. They say, again, another tangent I could get off on, but the reality of soul salvation could be defined differently than what most people in church understand it as. Most people, when they hear about a soul being saved, they're talking about a living being coming to the uh, saving knowledge of Christ, having received the gospel message, being drawn by the Spirit, responding to that, and being created a new creature in Christ. You know, then we say that soul has been harvested for heaven. But you know, soul salvation is there's actually another aspect or another type of soul salvation, and it is the process by which your soul, after having been recreated a new species, a new creature in Christ, becomes renewed or recreated unto that knowledge, unto the knowledge of the Spirit. And that is a lifelong process, folks. It never stops. It's not instantaneous. The, the life of the Spirit in its recreative uh, manifestation is instantaneous. But the life of the soul or the renewal of the soul or the salvation of the soul, to use the same terms, is a lifelong process. You have to understand that your, the salvation of your spirit's instantaneous. The salvation of your soul is a process that you walk out through this life and literally... Until Jesus cracks the sky or we die a physical death and then are translated into his, immediately into his kingdom, for those of us that have accepted Christ and received his salvation and have eternal life, praise the Lord, we're going to know as we know. In other words, we'll have an instant data download 
or upload, if you will. We will know as we, know, we are known, but even then, we will, that doesn't mean that you're going to know all things. You're not going to be omniscient. You're not going to know all things like God does. Because the Bible says that in the ages to come, he's going to be revealing the aspects of his grace unto us. Well, if he's revealing the aspects of our grace, his, his grace to us, then that means that we've got a lot of learning that's going to be taking place. And it takes an eternity. That's how big God is, folks. I tell you, I get so excited when I start thinking about who my creator is, praise God. The one who, who, who cre- not only created us, but knowing full well that when he created us, he was already setting us into a position that he knew the end from the beginning and it was and that we were going to, to fall through Adam, be lost unto God from a spiritual standpoint, and then eventually soul and, and, and flesh. And he already had a plan to reestablish or reconnect us back into him, praise God. That's how much he loved us. I don't know how well you can really convey love better than like Jesus said. Greater love hath no man than he laid down his life for a friend. I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I tell you, this is where the anointing's at, so I'm moving in this. I tell you right now, folks, those of y'all that struggle, that move through this life, and you you live your life with a constancy of, of condemnation and, and guilt, and you, you have a problem getting past feeling unworthy, I have to tell you that God, he had you in his plan before the foundation of the world. He already, and, and in fact, one of the epistles in the New Testament talks about how Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. There's no need to have a lamb to be slain and sacrificed unless he knew that there was going to be a need for one. He knew that before the foundation of the world and already had the plan in motion. And the reason for it was because he knew we were going to be separated from him because we were going to, to have our nature die, be separated from him. That's spiritual death. Whenever Adam sinned, the spiritual uh, life of man was separated from God, and therefore we died. And then that death carried on to the other realms, soul and, and or to flesh and soul as well, being separated from God. So let's talk about some aspects of other, or just a few other scriptures here that kind of lead into or or provide a little bit more explanation as it contained as it concerns the things of uh, of the spirit. You know who we are as a spirit, and we've seen that. This word, we've heard it enough now, and you're going to hear it more and more and more. And of course, every time you hear me announce, uh, welcome to the New Man Now podcast, you're going to know pneuma is the substance of that word, new man, praise God, spirit man. We're spirit first, praise the Lord. And we're endeavoring to uh, discover and to uh, be developed in our spirits, be mindful of our spirits ahead of all things. And we saw there in that scripture, Romans 8, 5 through 6, that there are literally two kinds of knowledge. There's a knowledge after the sinful nature, if you will, because you can have your mind set upon those things and develop your mind along those things. And it says that there's also then a mind after the spirit. And so you can set your mind upon those things. You can literally train your mind after those things. And it says that if you set your mind on the former, that that's death. But if you set your mind upon the things of the spirit, that that's life and peace. And I have to tell you today, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with peace in your life and you can't seem to find it, 
You can't seem to sleep because your mind is plagued with uh, worry and concern. I have to tell you, there's one simple solution. We have medications, we have psychoanalysis and psychotherapy, which are have some, some limited uh, ability. But at the end of, of the day here, folks, the real solution is one of a, is a spiritual one. And that is to subject your mind unto the life within you. That is to subject your mind and to train it and have it renewed unto the knowledge of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has set you free from the law of sin and death. Anxiety, worry, fear, those are all manifestations and are part and parcel of the law of sin and death. And so if your mind is plagued with those things, that's what your mind is is being subjected to. And we saw that and heard that right there in that scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. So what you need to do then is set your mind after the law of the spirit of life and peace, praise God, and allow his peace to permeate, that peace that passes understanding, uh, Paul says in a later uh, uh, epistle in the New Testament. And so, but literally, that's not something you can just just switch on like a light switch. It's something that you have to train and subject your mind to. Just like you would subject your mind to natural knowledge, and it takes time and exposure and training, so too, all these aspects uh, and learning things about who we are as spirit first is going to be an aspect of you subjecting yourself unto the knowledge of the spirit by way of the Logos Word of God and the Spirit working together with your spirit and through your spirit to bring that illumination, that revelational process to your soul, to your mind. But you can have peace, but you have to possess your mind. You can have an anxiety and worry-free existence, but you have to take control and dominion over your soul and subject it unto another law. Thank you for joining me today on the New Man Now podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I trust you received by way of the Spirit of God revelation to illuminate your mind and bring understanding and renewal unto the Word of God. Until next time, may you be filled with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Be blessed in Jesus' name.